Good morning, DJ and PK. It's 97.5 and 12.80 The Zone. Well, another day, some more coronavirus sports news. The Brooklyn Nets, DeAndre Jordan, Spencer Dinwiddie, both say they tested positive for the coronavirus. Don't know what this means for Dinwiddie in Orlando. Uh, the, the restart to the season is one month from today. One month from today, the Jazz play the Pelicans in the first game back. I think the Lakers play the Clippers later that night. So they got a month before things go. But DeAndre Jordan has already said he's not going. And, of course, we already know, obviously, uh, they're going to be shorthanded because they don't have uh, Kevin Durant. And now they've also had Wilson Chandler, who plays a few minutes a game for him. He's going to not go. So the Nets, seventh in the East, not on the Jazz schedule. So without the, uh, the Jazz, it doesn't really impact the Jazz or the West because they're basically keeping East-West games here. Uh, but they're seventh, and they'll probably slip behind Orlando, I would assume, and end up being eighth. They're going to be pretty, uh, pretty short-handed here. Um, other news, uh, college football news. You got an Iowa running back who's saying uh, Kirk Ferentz was just uh, brutal, basically, just just horrible to him, and that his Brian Ferentz, who'd been an assistant coach there, uh, was also horrible. He'd see him in a team-issued uh, cap and ask him if he was going off to rob a store or something like that, and they uh, didn't let him use his card to eat at times and said he needed a psychologist for all the harassment that he took there and then ended his statement by saying he wishes he had never gone to Iowa and he would recommend to all other high school recruits that they don't go there too. That's the kind of stuff that, uh, you know, if you're in a tight recruiting battle, and by all accounts, the youths just were, possibly they still are, because it's just a verbal commu- uh, commitment for this running back out of Tampa, uh, with Iowa, Pittsburgh, West Virginia, Florida State, and Utah were the five that were named. And, uh, and the kid says he's coming to Utah. And you just wonder, is this going to ding Iowa in these recruiting battles? Kirk France has been there a long time, but is this the end of his run there? Um, you know, I have to see how that plays out, but that is not good when a guy who's been at your school for four years and ran for 2,800 yards says, don't come here. Are you kidding me? Don't go to Iowa. It's not a good message right there. All right, for more recruiting stories, we're going to check in with Dave Rose, former BYU basketball coach next. Stay with us right here on 97.5 and 1280 The Zone. Take The Zone with you wherever you go. Let's go. Download the all-new Zone Sports Network app on your phone and get live streaming of The Zone as well as podcast editions of every show. From Salt Lake to Shanghai, Provo to Portugal, or Ogden to Oslo, wherever you go, we'll tag along. Let's go. Download the new Zone app by searching Zone Sports Network wherever you shop for apps. It's the Zone Sports Network app. From 97.5, 1280 The Zone and the Zone Sports Network. Time to welcome in Dave Rose, the retired BYU basketball coach, joins us now on the Sprint special guest line. Sprint makes it safe and easy to get what you need online. Visit Sprint.com for online services and local store availability. Dave, good morning. Good morning, guys. How are we doing? Good. So I'm, I'm curious before we get to all the basketball, did, did you retire at exactly the right time or exactly the wrong time? Because I know travel was a big part of the equation. You, you were talking about your wife and all the trips she had planned, and obviously that's all come to a halt. So I guess it's the wrong time to be retired. But, you know, with all the stuff going on, it's also the right time to be retired. So, How do you look at that now? Yeah, well, I, I think the, uh, you know, the actual mental stress of it is probably it's the right time. But 
um, the physical activity of our plans and things we wanted to do probably the wrong time. But uh, I, I really, it, it's hard for me to kind of get a grip on uh, what the, what the, the coaching coaches and their staffs are actually, you know, trying to plan for and trying to motivate their kids for. I mean, it's all, it's already tough enough. It's a, you know, they're they're pretty hard jobs. But now we're, you know, we're in an, in an era where. Uh, we're trying to put all this together and put travel plans together and 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 schedule for conference games, pre you know preseason games, and not really knowing if any of it's going to happen and uh, and still motivating your players to get them to to, to get going every week, every day. So that there, there's some real uh, mental stress issues I'm sure that all the coaches are going through. What was your initial reaction when you heard this loner kid wanted to leave Utah and come to BYU? Um, I, I was surprised. Um, I think, like everybody else, I think you know when Caleb made his commitment, he, he sounded like uh, you know he was really uh, confident in what he wanted to do, and and uh, and then over the course of um, the high school season and, and playing uh, um, for a year at Wasatch and living you know in Utah, his parents have moved here to, to Utah County. His grandparents live here in town. And, um, you know, somewhere along the line, you know, he, uh, he kind of had a change of heart. And, uh, you know, those are, those are such tough things uh, as a coach. I mean, that, that's, the, that's the stuff that, you know, I don't, <clears throat> I don't miss at all is when you try to, you know, you get something done and you know you've got it and you count on it. And then you, you tell other guys that, hey, you know, you're no longer on our list. And, uh, and then they change their minds. And put you in a position to where you're behind. You're eight months, nine months behind the eight ball, trying to figure out how you're going to finish out your roster. Those those are hard things, and um, I feel for for Larry and his staff. But again, then excited for for Mark and his staff because they got a good player. That's for sure. Well, that's what I wanted to get to because obviously this whole discussion it, it's all predicated on the fact that he's going to come in and be really good. Does he have the game to come in and be really good right away? Is this going to be a process? Is there a you know, a potential hole in his game that he could really never reach that heights? Because we see that happen with recruits sometimes, too. How, how much of a lock is he to be a very good player? Well, you know, I think that uh, the potential is, is five-star. I mean, he's really got potential. You know, what, what he actually does with it, cause, and, and the reason is because of – his size. I mean, he's he's ready built. You don't have to predict anything as far as is he, he needs to gain some weight or needs to get you know get, get a little bit taller. I mean, this kid is is put together really well. I, I recruited this kid since he was in eighth grade, and and uh, yeah, I was you know we were the first guys to offer him a scholarship, and and uh, you know I remember that you know the day that 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 happened, and I I told him straight up. I said, Caleb, now listen, when everybody else comes in, you need to remember that. You know, BYU is the first guy that that, that came through here and and uh, thought that you were you know a college guy, and then a year later it it, it kind of blew up. But uh, I think that position will be the issue. He 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 wants to be a three, and that's what kind of why he moved from from Texas out here. And then what happened with his high school team at Wasatch Academy? You know. Matty Sissoko got hurt, uh, had his hand, uh, you know, all messed up, and so he didn't get to play early in the season. So Caleb moved to the five and had a, a, a great season playing that position and really was a matchup problem for any center in high school. 
Um, but uh, I think at the college level, at the professional level, he wants to play uh, on the wing, and that will be the issue. You know, what what is he? Is he a five, four, three? And uh, and how quickly he can develop that? And then what does Mark really need for, from him? Uh, Mark's got, I think, pretty good. Um, uh, inside players and, and guys that are ready to, to, to step right in and play there. Uh, maybe there's a little more time uh, on the floor, on the wing or somewhere. So we'll see. But I, I think potentially uh, there's no question the kid's got a ton of potential. I wanted to talk to you, Dave, about the issue of kids getting out of their letter of intent. You know, kids transfer like crazy now. You and I have been in your office when you talk about it and kids come in and, and you know, you want to have the year-end evaluation. And if you don't tell them they're going to be a star, they take off. And that's well documented. But they've been in the program. i, I got to admit, the things that you just said about somebody that you've been recruiting and then you get a commitment and then you tell other kids that you stop committing or you're going to stop recruiting because you got the commitment from another player. Nothing against this kid as an individual. But in my mind, as a kid who makes a commitment and it doesn't even go to the school and ask for a release – and credit Utah for giving it to him. I've got a little bit of a problem with that because he never experienced the school in the first place, but yet he wants out, and that has such a domino effect. What are your thoughts on that? Well, it's it's, it's tough. I mean, because you know, for for me, I was always of of you know, I just felt like if you made a commitment, you kept your commitment. When you got to the when you got to the school, like you said, uh, PK, that. And then, then different issues came up, and then you decided that maybe it wasn't for you. Um, that was a different situation. I, I really believe that somehow in this process, the coach in this position becomes the the bad guy or the good guy or the wrong guy when really it, the, the players control in the whole situation. And and uh, you know, for me personally, and the way I was you know brought up and the way I coached for thirty six years, I think that. You know, when you make a commitment that you, you really uh, – the kid needs to honor that commitment and uh, and not and, – and the coach shouldn't be able to have the power to let him off or not let him off. It just, it just happens, and then they know that it happens, and then that's the result of you make a decision to change that without actually attending the school, then there's no other way around it. And people will look and say, oh, well, this is America. Kids should be able to make choices. Coaches leave and kill coaches go – but in this situation, uh, you, you're putting you know eight, nine, ten months of work together to put a roster and a team together, and there's some things that you have to be able to count on uh, as a coach, and that's my opinion. Is any of this going to change, though? No, 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 no. Kids, kids are going to get way more control, and and then I think that in the future you're going to see all of them get one. Uh, get out of jail card free, you know, and they're going to get to, to transfer one time and be able to play. And uh, I don't know if that will be next year, but uh, we thought the vote was going to be this year, and then it all kind of went south, and we never even uh, never even had the vote. And uh, so the kids all have to go now individually appeal for each individual transfer eligibility. But I think in the, in the coming years, you're going to see the fact that. Uh, but but you know what I I don't I, I do think that if they do this that they've got to be able to control it somehow and at least make the kid go to school there. I mean and then and then be able to make a decision that if you want to leave 
you can leave and then play automatically, you know, immediately. But uh, th- th- this makes it really, really hard on coaches, that's for sure. Yeah, that was my whole point, is that you never even went there to see if you didn't like it. At least go. You made this commitment, and then you you, you renege on it. Uh, how surprised were you, or what was your reaction that Utah let him go without any restrictions? Well, in, in, in today's world, not so much. I, I think that uh, the coach, you know, coaches when they hold those letters and when they hold, don't don't release kids that they take so much uh, heat from so many different ways. And um, I think sometimes you just you, you realize that they this is what it is, and you're not going to get the kid, and why punish the kid, and and then take all the the heat from you know all the all the, all the different you know people are going to come after you, and and you know I'm talking about not you know not just you know from local people and from fans, I'm talking from you know national media, and and uh, I think everybody has has got an opinion and an opportunity to express their opinion nowadays, and. Uh, I think that changes the, you know, the, the the actual feel of what you do as a coach in certain situations like this, and that's that's probably the hardest thing is that you know what you want to do, and you know what you think in your heart is the right thing to do, and sometimes you do what you need to do. So this won't be without fallout for the player either. You know that uh, that you know. There, there's hecklers everywhere, and people are going to say stuff. And how much does that get into kids' head? Because I think you've had to deal with that, where players, you know, ha- had a bit of a bullseye on them when they went into opposing arenas. Yeah, we we've been on both ends of it, and uh, I think that it it uh, it's a real opportunity for kids to just become a lot tougher, quicker, because uh, it happens immediately. I mean, the first first um, time that he goes into a gym that people know his background it's, it's going to be an issue even if it's not in in utah you know i remember when we got trent whiting uh from utah years and years ago and uh and immediately you know it, we got him we uh at, at christmas time and got him eligible and uh you know he played the, the second half of the season for us and but but he was a you know a seasoned guy by that time it was a, he was a senior and had been through junior college and you know a, a year of, of Division One ball, and uh, so he expected it, knew what was coming. For these young, for these younger players, I, I think that uh, it'll be a real awakening, a real uh, eye opener when he realizes that the the fan base uh, are not only cheering for their team, but they're attacking him individually. And uh, and, and and again, you got to look at it in a positive way, in, in, in a way that you know just make you tougher a lot quicker. Because that's going to happen, especially if you become a really good player, like everyone thinks he's going to become. And, and you know, I, I think that uh, you, you've got to. There's so many angles that are involved in this. You know, you you look at um, you know the decision for him to not want to go to Utah, and, and you know where is he going to go, and who's involved, and how does that happen. And, you know, uh, I, I, I really believe there's so much uh, involved. As a coach, you know exactly what had to happen to make all of that work. And uh, a lot of people that are really happy right now and a lot of people that uh, aren't that happy and we'll have to see how it plays out for Caleb. How about the glorious hair, though? Can he keep it? <laughs> <laughs> I... I'll, I'll 
be surprised if, if it doesn't. Uh, I, I, I saw on social media where he's actually made an attempt uh, to shorten it a little bit, but uh, I, I still think he's got a ways to go. But uh, he he, uh, he is such a good kid. You know, it's it's going to be it's, it's going to be sad to, to see all the things negative things that are said about him because. Uh, you know, I I was on that trail for three years and spent so much time on the phone and in the gym. And uh, you know, we had him on an official visit early in, in his junior year and got a chance to really know the kid. And and he's, I mean, he he just is. He's a fun guy to be around. He's a he's a happy kid and he loves the game. He loves life. Um, and uh, he's gonna get he's gonna get a start to this. That's probably a. A, a little more of an eye opener than uh, it would have been if, if, uh, if his decision would have been a little bit different. So, does he have the attitude to let all this bounce off of him? Because you know, a lot of West Coast conference arenas they don't compare to anything like what you were facing in the Mountain West. You know, Wyoming and New Mexico are are different than Loyola <laughs> and USD. That's obvious, yeah. and yet it still just takes a couple of voices. One or two voices can get in your head. Is he really? built as a freshman to handle this? Well, I, I think that he, 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 he is built to let stuff just run right off his back. I mean, he, he is not a guy that, uh, uh, you know, is a real heavy, deep thinker and tries to fix problems, you know, every time they come around. He's a guy that just lives, live and let live, you know. I mean, he's, he's uh, uh, and, and, that, and that part of his personality will really help him this process and uh he reminds me a lot of uh sunshine and and uh you know remember the or the titans was that the show when the big fella yeah. big lefty came in and and uh everybody was giving him heck and he just took it and ended up being the best player on the on the team at the at the end to win the state championship and i'm sure that's what this kid's hoping to have happen so i saw a picture on social media dave what happens or what is the discussion when Dave Rose, Dave Rice and Tim Lacombe get together all these years later? Yeah, it's uh we've had a fun weekend. You know, Dave and uh uh and his beautiful bride Mindy and uh their second boy Dylan uh are here. Uh he's trying to figure out how to work remotely from home and he's bored to death and so uh, he came out and we've spent the, the weekend together and so we've uh, and, and if you know Dave, I mean Dave. Dave is just he's like a history book. I mean he he remembers dates and numbers and you know games and I mean so we've gone through just uh, an unbelievable amount of uh, big games. You know I've had some former players that have come over in the minute he sees him, he says, "Hey, remember that shot you hit against TCU?" <laughs> and so. Uh, uh, we've had a lot of reminiscing and good times, and uh, you know he's in the middle of uh, trying to figure out, you know what what their team's going to do there at Washington. They're all supposed to come back July 13th, and then they got to quarantine for seven days, and then they can you know be able to work out starting July 20th. And so uh, a lot of uh, a lot of stories have been told, and you know I, I think the stories get better. And it's only been a few years, so I can't wait to get together ten years from now. We would have lost the game, and we'd probably won the national championship by then. Yeah. <laughs> 
Hey, uh, in all seriousness, I, I talked to uh, an administrator at a, not at BYU at a different school, and they were talking about you know issues with football and how to restart it, and then crowds if they do that, if there are games in the crowds. And I said, what about you know football's an outdoor sport, and everything we hear is that indoors way more dangerous than outdoor. What about basketball? And he goes. Nobody's even thinking about basketball right now. That is so far away. That is several lifetimes away. When you talk to people like Dave Rice, is that, I mean, he's a basketball coach, not an administrator worried about multiple sports, but is that really true? Has anybody figured out anything for basketball this coming season? Well, I, I, can, I can tell you my opinion, all right? And I've talked to quite a few people about other things, you know, about media, you know, opportunities and those kind of things. And just me personally, and I love the game. I mean, I think that it's it's, and I, I love sports. I, I mean, I, I just can't believe how how much I miss sports and how much life seems to be different without it. But uh, I'm nervous. I'm I, I, I'm really nervous about. Well, we'll find out here this week about this NBA bubble. I think that's uh, everyone's really excited about it. We're all excited about it. We want it to happen so bad, but. We got to figure out a way to live with this thing, this this COVID. I mean, this coronavirus is is everyone's got a different opinion about it. But the one thing we should all agree on is it's not just going to go away, and it has killed a lot of people around the world. And uh, we're talking about close to half a million. I mean, and and we we've got to figure out how to live with it and still be able to to do the things that we like to do. And that's where we are right now with Major League Baseball. Can Major League Baseball actually play during a pandemic? Can the NBA actually finish their season during a pandemic? Can we actually start up, you know, NCAA football during a pandemic? Or are we actually going to have to wait until the pandemic ends until we can crank it all back up again? And that I don't know, but that's what I'm really nervous about. Well, Dave, we'll leave it right there. Thanks for hitting a lot of topics from uh, from hair care to shutting down sports <laughs> or restarting. Man, you covered yeah. a lot of ground. Good work. All right, boys. Thanks. Thanks for your time today. All right. Thanks for coming on, Dave. Right, we'll see you. There's Dave Rose, the former BYU basketball coach. And if there's anything that amazed me, it's how much empathy he has. He's just really sympathetic towards what Larry's gone through uh, because he's been through it. And we know they had their issues, uh, but nonetheless, I thought it was real. I thought it was genuine. Coming up next, Steve Cleveland. There is no end to the classic stories this guy can provide. Steve Cleveland (laughs) with one great BYU story and one great Fresno story. Next, stay with us. Take the zone with you wherever you go. Let's go. Download the all-new Zone Sports Network app on your phone and get live streaming of the zone as well as podcast editions of every show. From Salt Lake to Shanghai, Provo to Portugal, or Ogden to Oslo, wherever you go, we'll tag along. Let's go. Download the new Zone app by searching Zone Sports Network wherever you shop for apps. It's the Zone Sports Network app. From 97.5, 1280, The Zone, and The Zone Sports Network. DJ and PK, it's 97.5 and 1280 The Zone, brought to you in part by Zero Res. A clean home is a healthy home, and right now Zero Res is cleaning carpets for $33 per room. Plus, schedule three rooms and they'll clean your fourth for free. Call Zero Res today to schedule your cleaning at 801-288-9376. Steve Cleveland joining us now on 97.5 and 1280 The Zone. Steve, good morning. Good morning. Steve, social media is a funny place. 
There are pictures out now of Caleb Lohner with his hair trimmed. I wouldn't say cut, but trimmed. He coached at BYU. Is that really this big a deal, or are people just tremendously bored right now without games? <laughs> well, I tell you, when I was there, that the uh, the hair codes and the beer codes and all those kinds of things were very real, and uh, uh, they had an honor code office that. Uh, kind of reminded us on a pretty regular basis what was appropriate or wasn't. So that's been a long time. I, I'm not sure uh, where it's at uh, it, with uh, the new new rules and regulations, because I suspect they've made some changes. But uh, that was something that uh, there's a little bit of sensitivity to that, and uh, we had to be aware of it. And otherwise, you kind of get called into the honor code office. You know, I'd get a, a, some kind of email or, <laughs> or something, some kind of message that said I needed to make sure my players uh, – dressed and looked appropriate. I didn't get many of those, but uh, I uh, and I always was a little jealous that somebody could actually get a beard card. I'm not sure how they did that. <laughs> <laughs> I had uh, just uh, last few years, I had a football coach tell me that it was 20 minutes before a home game. And somebody, I guess from the honor code office, came in and told the coach that he had to go tell one of the players that in order to get out on that field, 20 minutes before kickoff, he needed to shave. <laughs> and and I thought, wow, this is a Saturday. This isn't even a Sunday at church. This is a Saturday. And it's not like you're, you're dealing with basketball. You guys, so to speak, were exposed to the world, you know. You could read lips. You could hear stuff. There was no helmets. The crowd is much closer. And you had good teams, so the place was packed. You got a lot of attention. And so I can understand a little bit more for basketball. Football, you know, it's spread out. Obviously, it's a huge stadium. You got a helmet on. And it just seems 20 minutes before a game when you got to get yourself ready that that was a little excessive well could there could there be things that could be done that could be more respectful to the process of preparing for games and whatnot i I don't think there's any question that it could have been done more appropriately and we look back and and i am sure there have been times when um things were done uh in that in that kind of setting and circumstance and that is inappropriate. I mean, I'll tell you a story that I'm not going to mention any names, no matter how much you want to know. But at the end of the day, we're at Utah, and uh, we're we're getting ready for a game. And you know how small that locker room is. Uh, you know, it might be like 15 by 15 locker room. That includes a shower. I think there's one shower there. I'm sure things have changed now. But uh, we're in the locker room getting ready, and uh, one of my players uh, – transfer player decides to come in with a brand new tattoo. <laughs> now this is pretty young in my experience there, but it, it was really clear at that time that you couldn't have new tattoos, you know, and uh, there was an allowance for people that had tattoos. Uh, and, and, and I saw the, the whole spectrum of it from, you know, cover the tattoos up to, uh, you couldn't have them. And anyway, this, this young man had this good-looking tattoo on his arm, and uh, he was getting ready. I mean, literally, we're, he, you know, he took everything off, and I all of a sudden I go, whoa, whoa, whoa. And I'm a pretty new coach there, and, uh, and I, I've had things pretty well explained to me that, you know, this is not what we do. And, and I'd been there long enough when got things situated that I, uh, I, I could have a voice in this matter in the locker room, obviously, and have the support of the school because they had told me that was the circumstance that, you know, we're just not doing tattoos. 
So uh, basically, I don't think the player understood me. I said, no, you, we're, we're not doing that. You're, you're going to cover it up. And, uh, and then because I'm not going to deal with all that fallout. And all this is happening right before the game. And we're playing one of the great Utah teams at the time anyway, hard enough to play to have a distraction like that in the locker room. And it, it was really uncomfortable. You know, and, and eventually the young man, you know, we covered it up with tape because he wanted to play. You know, I said, otherwise you're going to have your warm-up on and you're not, you're not going to play. And, and that, so you, you talk about that culture and what I had, you know, been shared with me from my administration that, you know, we, I wasn't going to buck the system. I mean, it just wasn't going to happen, especially as a young coach and, and not understanding a lot of the things about the school anyway uh, at that particular point in time. So it ended up being okay. I mean, the player understood finally. You know, it was it was kind of an emotional thing. It's certainly not what you want as you prefer to go walk on the floor and you're having to have a conversation with a player that he's not going to play because of a tattoo. And we and we you know that we have players that had tattoos that had them previously, and they kind of changed those rules and and allowed that. But uh, yeah, I can still remember that vividly right there in that tiny little locker room being. Uh, not, just not believing that I could have something like this happen for a game. And, uh, and I handled it the best I felt I could handle it. And uh, it didn't become a distraction, and the public never really was made aware of it. And uh, we just moved on like we do as coaches. But uh, I did have an experience with that. <laughs> so who was the player? <laughs> no, I'm not telling you. <laughs> how often how often does something happen like that where there's something that you know the outside world would consider dramatic intriguing salacious whatever and it just doesn't get out but it's something you have to put it up with and it's something you got to spend a lot of energy on how often does that happen not just at BYU but just in your experience at Fresno State and stuff you know coaches get together and you tell stories about crazy stuff that happens well I, I think that there are always things that happen and and you do you know you must manage that i know uh uh you know they talk a lot about at byu right now and coach Polk talks a lot about being the best locker room in america and those kinds of things and i think that those things are really important but there's still personalities there's circumstances there's emotions and uh no matter what things happen and uh i i can remember uh, at the junior college when I was at pretty Fresno City College and uh, I had uh, a couple of high-profile players and uh, uh, one of them was Rafer Alston and uh, and Rafer was an intense competitor and uh, he, he was a leader for us and he had had some issues in his life, anger issues and things and he had committed to, to Fresno State and was going to play for Jerry Tarkanian and uh, he was there on his uh, recruiting visit with some other players. Well, as the near the, the locker room, I don't know if you, either one of you have ever been in Salon Arena, but I think you may have had them, but there's a small area by the locker rooms, and, and these recruits were kind of just hanging out <clears throat> for Fresno State, and one of them was my player. And uh, <clears throat> the next thing I know, I'm coming back, you know, and I'm walking back there to, to – uh, you get ready, and all of a sudden, I see two or three guys kind of pushing each other, shoving, yelling. You know, there, there's a confrontation, and one of them was my player. And uh, and so, you know, what is going on here? You know, and apparently somebody had offended somebody, and I don't know if it was as simple as uh, uh, East Coast rap to West Coast rap or 
whatever it was. <laughs> it was something really, really important, I'm sure. But it was stupid as it was. It got confrontational, and it wasn't pushing and shoving. Well, what, what I didn't know is uh, that the media was there with cameras. <laughs> with cameras. And uh, and I thought, and, and we, we were like the number one team in the country. This, obviously, Raper's a really good player. And uh, I, I didn't want any additional attention. And I certainly didn't want to have to answer for why my point guard is in a confrontational issue with other recruits <laughs> before the game. And so uh, you can imagine, as a coach sometimes, you just get a knot in your stomach thinking, oh, my gosh, I don't need it. And there are already enough headlines with Tark and the whole group there every day. I mean, there was always something happening. I just didn't want it to spill over into the Fresno City College program. <laughs> and uh, anyway, for me, luckily, uh, the, the newscaster, the sports newscaster, was a good friend of mine, and I graduated from high school with him. And I just asked him, I said, I know you were there, and I said, what, what are you thinking, thinking about what you're going to do with that piece? <laughs> and he goes, well, I'm going to, it's going to be a piece on my show tonight. I said, and I, and I, again, I'm not sharing names, but I just said, listen, I said, you know, that's not going to be helpful to me, to what I'm trying to do. I'll take care of it. I promise you I'll take care of it. It wasn't that serious, but as soon as this thing hits the papers or it's the news, then all of a sudden we've got all this attention and it's a distraction to what we're doing. Nobody was hurt. It was, you know, it was obviously inappropriate what happened. And, uh, so, you know, he didn't. He never really said to me and committed to me that he, he wasn't going to show it. And uh, so I, it was kind of a sleepless night, you know, because I thought, oh, man, I'm going to have to deal with this. And uh, there was nothing I could do. The next day, that night, that night, it didn't show up. And the next day, it didn't show up. And three or four days, it didn't show up. And I realized my good friend took care of me. <laughs> and uh, he uh, was I'm thankful to. And I, I, you know, I called him and said, thank you. I said, it, 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 you know, it's just something right now. There's so many distractions. And you, you all know that time here. There, You had Wojnarowski. You, you know, you had all the top yeah. guys. They, I mean, they're covering basketball at Fresno State. Yeah, Andy and, Katz was uh, there. Andy, Andy Katz. You know, these guys made – they started their careers in that locker room. That's where it started for them. And they had – you know, they did, that, that's where it happened for Andy and both of them. I mean, hey, Adrian had to leave town. Uh, and, and I consider Adrian a really good friend when he was here, and I had not had any contact with him in years. But uh, he was such a good human being. And I, it, it, that environment and circumstance got to him, and eventually he just had to leave. Because he had, you know, he was writing editorials, and he was just following the team and yeah. being, everybody's, every, being everybody's friend. But for Adrian, he, he had a difficult task, and eventually he would leave. I really miss not having him there. But that just gives you kind of a feel of the environment in that program and what eventually I would come back to and have to clean up. But it was uh, it was a little crazy. So I, I have had a few of those experiences. <laughs> yeah, I can recall there was an issue you had with a, with a player, uh, and I had found out about it. And I was down, you were practicing in the field house, and I was coming towards the end of the practice, and you saw me in there, and you left the court and came up, and we went up and sat in the stands where they would sit now for the volleyball, 
And I remember your sports information guys like what what the heck's going on? <laughs> and you came up to me and you and you were so open. That's what I, I found it fascinating that you, the, the way you dealt with the media. A junior college doesn't typically get a lot of attention. Fresno City maybe got more so than if you were in a bigger metropolitan area uh, as far as junior college. You take for instance Salt Lake Community. I mean they hardly get any. Uh, but anyway, my point is that you. You just had a natural way of dealing with the media that uh, was something that it looked like you'd had years and years of training. And how did you develop that to be able to know, to, to have a program that was open to where you would allow media in, but yet still be able to make sure that the message that you wanted was presented in a way that you liked? I think, I think one of the things at, at Fresno City College, because it was so high profile, and, uh, you know, I had Chris Heron. I mean, a lot of people in Utah may not know who Chris yeah. Heron is. I mean, he's really turned his life around today and just doing some good things. But Chris Heron was a highly publicized recruit. Uh, his father was in politics back in, 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 in Massachusetts in that area. And he came out and, uh, and you know, he had a, a book written about him, you know, before he even got there. And so there were some really high-profile people. And... They interacted with us, and 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 I had to. De- I was I was as a junior college coach. I was dealing with Adrian, and I was I was dealing with Andy because some of my players were going over there. Larry Abney was going over there, so I had that experience early on that nobody else would have in a junior college. They just wouldn't have it. And and then when I got to BYU, uh, Lynn Archibald. Um, who played a significant role in opening a door for me there to get involved in that job, we, we became good friends. And, and he had a good friend that had been involved in the program. And one of the things that Lynn said to me was, he said, you're coming, from, you're coming to a place that you have no history with or any perspective. He said, I know you're confident. I know you're comfortable with people and around people. But I said, you need to spend some time with with this this guy and you need to spend some time with me when you come in that we can give you a little bit of lay of the land of you know what's going on and so during that time during that time before you know Lynn got really sick but I can remember him sharing things with me about just public relations about the media and I had always had a really positive relationship with the media well it's easy to have a positive relationship with the media when you always have really good teams yeah. and you don't have any real problems <laughs> you know <laughs> everybody likes each other you know it's when people do inappropriate things and you're losing you're, now you've lost four or five in a row and you've got to answer to that so that being said I think Lynn knew that I think he knew it and uh he, he became a mentor to me for a short period of time. And, uh, and he had a friend, Ron Dotson, who was a very close personal friend of his, who was a, you know, someone that was involved in my life that helped me to understand. But I, I always felt that it was important to, to be open and transparent, especially in situations like that. And I, I was, I mean, we, we've all been in meetings and rooms and circumstances where we had a, you know, our gut was aching and, and we were nervous and things weren't going right and we're trying to fix it. And uh, I just felt like my experiences at Fresno City with all the media and then coming and having Lynn kind of mentor me and take me aside and share some things with me that I, that I wouldn't have known 
you know, it's a combination. Same thing with Ron. It was a combination of those things. And then, you know, the other thing was, is that my staff got a chance to kind of see that. And, and, and when we had staff meetings, I'm, I'm kind of famously known for yellow pads of paper. <laughs> and even my wife still kids me to this day that, you know, I, I wasn't a technology guy. I wasn't using computers and things, but I always had a pad of paper. I was always keeping notes and writing things down. And there were a lot of, a lot of staff meetings that I had the opportunity to kind of work with and teach and learn from uh, what it was going to be like at this next level. And so, you know, to be honest with you, Pat, when I saw you came in, and I think just coming from a different perspective, not being from Utah, I, you know, I kind of wanted to get to know the media guy. I, you know, I, mean, I knew him well in Fresno. I mean, and when things weren't right, it wasn't like they didn't, when we played bad, talk about it. But I always felt, to be honest with you, pretty safe there in that setting because I was just going to tell you how I felt anyway. And I didn't feel like there was some vindictive person uh, that was trying, was out to get me, you know, and I mean, I felt support and I knew that when things were good, they're going to get reported good when they weren't, we weren't. And, uh, and nobody likes it when you're not playing well. And, uh, and even with Gordon Monson, I can remember having an interview with Gordon Monson when I first got there and, uh, he, he, he did a, a cute fun, it was kind of a fun little piece on who I was and being from California and some things. And we had some conversations and I, and I think that, you know, I think probably if I had gotten uh, information from people, you know, Gordon was the kind of guy, well, you got to be careful with Gordon, you know, <laughs> and I know, you know, you know what they're talking about, you know, it's like, well, he's going to, he's going to, he's going to be the guy that's writing editorials and doing things. But I, I never really felt, and, and Gordon had to write things about me as you did, Pat, that when things weren't right and weren't well. And, uh, and, and I knew that. But luckily, I had some good mentors to kind of help me deal with that and address that. And uh, it's not to say that there aren't times the coach would be lying to you if he didn't tell you that when things weren't good and when people were saying things and, hey, and today with social media and things as they are, uh, it's, it's, a, you know, it's 100 times worse. But I, I always felt uh, comfortable in that setting because of a lot of the things I learned from Lynn and from Ron and, 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 and my past experiences at Fresno City with, with, with Adrian and Andy Katz. I mean, it was just, I was very fortunate to be around those types of good people. Well, it was funny you said that about Lynn Archibald giving you the lay of the land because I didn't know when I got my first TV job, but the guy I was replacing said, you need to know this, boom, 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 and dealing with this boss is like this and this boss is like this. And it was all spot on and it made it so easy. And I mean, I knew... It helped, but I didn't really know until I went to Sacramento and Salt Lake without that. <laughs> and I looked back, wow, Dan really did me a favor. <laughs> yeah. Yep. And the, the, funny, the funny thing is that uh, Mark Pope marries Lynn Archibald's daughter. Yep. Yeah. You know what? I, uh, you know, at the time, and, and you know, you know it's, it's interesting. I'll tell you another little story here. About three years earlier, uh, I had the opportunity to actually come up and visit Roger Reed. He had me come up. Um, there had been an opening in his staff, and the only reason that he would even be thinking about me is that Roger and I had become friends and uh, at camps. He, uh, I'd gone to a couple of BYU camps, and, and when he was with Liddell Anderson, Liddell Anderson was good friends with my college coach. 
and I was a high school coach, but I got to know uh, I got to know him, and and so as as it turns out, I went up, and I had been involved with Roger. He had, he was curious about the matchup zone that Boyd Grant was running, and and so I had been invited to come up, and there was a job opening, and just to talk poops and stuff, and I did three years before I came to BYU. I spent a wonderful weekend with Roger, and uh, we talked hoops, and, uh, and and as it turns out, uh, I didn't get the job. Uh, he hired Lynn Archibald, and so the, the irony, you know, I mean, there's a lot of irony here, uh, and, and Roger and I, you know, we weren't close friends, but he always took really good care of me when I came to camp. He was really kind and, to me, and for me, you know, mo- most people don't know this, but for me to come in and be involved in that job when I had no idea what was going on at the university. I had no relationships. The only person I really knew was, was Roger from working camps. And then I knew guys like Greg Shaddy, high school coaches who, you know, we hung out with when I was working camps and played hearts at night till two in the morning and, and got to make some good friends that way. But interestingly enough, that Lynn Archibald would be the director of basketball operations and be very sick. And I would be involved with him uh, three years earlier where he was the guy that actually came on staff and, and got the job that, you know, I was hopeful that I might get. But, I, you know, when I saw who he hired, I thought, wow, this guy's been a head coach a couple times. <laughs> that, that's a great hire. And at that point in time, I remember coming back home to my wife and telling her that, you know what, that was really unrealistic. I don't know why I even thought. I don't know anybody there. It doesn't make sense. And I kind of just said, enough's enough. I'm not doing that. I have a great job. I'm going to enjoy what I'm doing and where I'm doing it. And, you know, and then all of a sudden, three years later, uh, I get a phone call from Lynn telling me what happened. And someday when we have a story, have a little time, I'll tell you the story. But, but, but it, was, it was Lynn. So, obviously, I have a really soft spot in my heart for Lynn and uh, his wife and and. and uh, his family. So, uh, yeah, the fact that Mark's there now and, and killing it, uh, just we're all connected. Isn't it funny how we somehow, some way got connected? Just like uh, I got a little bit connected with Dave Rose. Uh, maybe we'll talk about that sometime here. And just amazing how things unfold. Well, as always, Steve, we appreciate a few minutes. Thanks for coming on and telling some stories. You bet, man. We'll take care of you guys. Have a good week. There's Steve Cleveland. Yeah, he's a basketball coach, but he's a storyteller. Who are we kidding? DJ and PK, it's 97.5 and 1280 The Zone. What is trending? Coming up next.